Welcome to another episode of Mental Conversations, a podcast focusing on positive mental health and overcoming the struggles of life. My name is Chris Sutton and today I'm excited, as always. I'm excited because I'm joined by Tony Kirk Reynolds. Um, Tony is, I've got down here, street photographer um, and videographer, videographer. That's right, yeah. Um, at AKR Photography and Phototherapy. That's right. Thank you for coming on to the show. No, thank you very much, Chris. So, so we met through a mutual friend... Yes, we did. My wife, yeah. Sometimes friend, sometimes wife, sometimes business partner, yeah. Sometimes other, yeah. And um, and actually, we met on a driveway. You gave me some. Uh, yeah, cho- right, yeah. You gave me some chocolate covered rice cakes. That's right. And I'm at a point of remembering that I give you the chocolate rice cakes yeah. and actually how they were. Yeah, and I yeah. Came, and I said, come on the show. That's all I needed That's to know. Really, yeah. um, but we we got we got talking a little bit, and I'd spoken to to Emma, your wife, about um, about your mental health, and and I was like, actually, you know, you really should come on the show, and we should talk about mm. this. Um, I've then listened to you on a radio show, and you know how open you are around your mental health history. Um, I think it'd be really beneficial to kind of spread this message to as many people who who, who will listen, basically. Okay. So, can you tell me a little bit about um, your story? Um, well, it all really started when I was about 24, 25, um, coming to the end of all my parties and celebrating, been, a, been in my mid-twenties. I was uh, working in Wakefield at the time. Right. Um, I just got together with uh, Emma, and I was really struggling at work. Had about a year of just feeling lost and just generally no direction. Um, and I actually had a nervous breakdown at work. I've just had enough. I worked for a, a firm, I'm not going to say the firm online, they do still exist, but I was under a lot of pressure um, at work. wasn't just really seeing any sort of direction of what I was doing. And I just thought I just had enough. Yeah. Um, I knew it was coming. I, I'd saved up um, to have two months off work. So I'd saved two months worth of wages and I just handed them a notice. You knew it was coming? Yeah, I could feel it. I just, I just, I'd had enough of just working in that environment. I've been there for about, I think it was four or five years at the time. And I just, I'd had enough of everything. I'd had enough of uh, where I was working, what I was doing, uh, social life, friends, people I was with. Yeah. Just, I'd, I'd hit that juncture in my life where I just thought, I need to do something different. But I really didn't know where to go. Um, the only way to go was to leave work because yeah. that was one of the big things because I, I couldn't do my job very well um, and I couldn't really I didn't really have any time to decide so, what I was going to do so just come a touch closer to that okay. microphone for you the, so what I'm interested in do you mind me asking how, how old are you now? Uh, 39 so this is so this is like 14, 15 years ago mm-hmm. like because one of the things that I'm really interested in like I had in my mind around us two talking men's mental health. That's the kind of you know subject I got in my head. Um, Fourteen or so years ago, the terminology around mental health, terms around mental health, mm-hmm. weren't anywhere near as like high profile as they are now. So when you said you could, you knew it was coming, you could see it coming. Were you you were quite in touch with that then? In terms, of you, did you know it was something that was a mental health problem? I knew there was something wrong. Um... It, it was, um, what was it coined? Um, I can't remember what it was called. It was something that came up when I did my second, I did my first year at uh, Wakefield um, College, and it was a very common thing for people who got into doing counselling. 
Right. It's the, the common thread is people going to council and the people who have suffered with problems yeah. themselves. Yeah, of course. It's, like. it's yeah. just, you know, the biggest irony ever that you've got to be, for of a better word, as much as, much as messed up yourself as you are for the people yeah. that you're seeing. Because yeah. at the end of the day, how can you really create a relationship with somebody that really understands at a deeper level that you actually know what it feels like? To Absolutely, feel like that. yeah. Um, oh, that was it. Analysis paralysis. Oh. So it was overthinking things. So okay. it was, and, and, and I'd really... Um, you can maybe use it as an analogy to say, you know, waking up from a dream and you're just basically thinking, well, what's this all about? Why can't I say? I was seeing patterns in people's behaviour that were being repeated over and over again. Yeah. Um, things were always the same. Um, nothing's ever changed. You know, can I predict things? And that, that was the kind of thing that really just, well, it just twisted my noodle for one of a better word. Yeah. And I just had enough. I just didn't know what was going on. So you took the time, though. You took the time... Away from work, no, I had two more. I had two months off work. And what yeah. did you What did you do during that time? I mean, well, what did you do, and did it And did it help? Like what? Well, the good thing was I just got together with Emma, so we were just having a great time together. Me not being at work and stuff, so yeah. she finally had somebody to clean the house and catch up with the paperwork and stuff that <laughs> she didn't have time I'm, to do because I'm, she was so bloody. Self-employed. I'm going to have to tell people that Emma's actually in the room. No, no, yeah, <laughs> like, she is. Yeah, this she is. is so. You can tell when I look away and stuff from the microphone. I was just. I was going to. I was going to pretend that. I was just going to say, oh, God, you know, when she hears this. And then I was thinking, no, actually, she's sat over there. Yeah, she is. She can, she can take it. She's a tough one. She, yeah, she absolutely can. Um, so so, yeah, so that actually, you know, that's, that's an interesting point, though, because um, when, you're, when people are struggling with, say, depression or anxiety, or, one of the things that really helps is actually having someone um, to lean on. You know, is having a support network. Oh, of course. Yeah. Is, you know, but I, I state it and it may be like, um, it may seem like stating the obvious, but actually sometimes if you're feeling really down, you don't want to be around people. So you'll naturally kind of... Um, it was a vulnerability, isn't it? You, you know, you're left for the walls to attack you. You're yeah. You're to, you know, defend yourself against. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's just like a, a human nature default position, really. Why would you think that anybody would understand none of this nonsense about the environment of the world and you being judged and this, that and the other. It, for me, it was more um, that I was vulnerable. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and I just, when you're away from everybody, you're in control, right? It's like uh, backing yourself off into a corner so you can see all the angles of anybody that's going to come at you. It's you know just what? that type of thing. I'd never thought of that. I think that's a really interesting point. And I was, I was going to say to you, what is it about men in particular that you know that either of us that both of us think is um you know something that's pre- particularly prevalent in in men in particular and that 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 may be something that that um that's a that's a, that's a massive conversation to have about about men being men you know that's some of the stuff that i have actually done to understand all that you know and that starts off with you know who you hang around with what your social network is mm. the type of people that you are actually friends with yeah um yeah, I don't know where really where to start. With that. Maybe with... that's one to come back to because that's that's kind of in the timeline of the kind of stuff that I've done. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, but to, no, it, it is it is an interesting conversation to have because I, I, I think I'm maybe slightly different because I've probably been brought up more with women than I have with men because mm-hmm. my dad, um, my dad's a very shy guy, and I know why now because that's part of my develop and understanding what that's all about so I've really been brought up because I've got so there's my mum and my two sisters and mm-hmm. there's my nan that live with us so so from a 
from a, a development point of view, I've been brought up probably more with the feminine aspect of mm-hmm. it for masculinity. Yeah, right, that's so. interesting. That's my dyslexia strong, coming in than the right words. That's but all right. It was a more strong female presence that I was brought up with than I was as a bloke. Yeah, so explains I'm, I'm, a lot about your wife as well. Well, we, we, well, it's, it's a fraudulent slip, isn't it, really? We all want to marry his mother as well. She's got a very strong character and both my mum and her get on. And yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I'm fine with that because, Absolutely, you know, yeah. because um, behind every strong man there's a strong woman. I know that's a bit of a cliché term, but yeah. um, you do need that because no matter how strong I may seem on the outside, people that know me yeah. um, really well, they know what I'm like and they, they know my friends as people who don't they just see this six foot five bloke with a beard yeah who's, who can big beard yeah, big big well, manly not beard not as big as it used to be but you know they, 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 they judge on how you look and then they just think oh well, he's, he's very confident and yeah. he can talk on the phone you know like my full time job to chasing people for money yeah I know how to do it that's not particularly what I really want to do for the rest of my life it's just something I've always done yeah so the assumptions that I made about you and this that, and the other and that's hard in itself I think I mean like again like you say maybe for another conversation but but um that's quite a hard thing for for men as well isn't it in terms well, it, it, of it, if it, you've it, got that external kind of facade well, the, I mean expect, you can't escape it well no because he expects that you're going to be tough and a yeah. bit of a nutter in some circumstances but to be fair I've turned that on his head because I, that's an advantage to me now because you know I I, the way I look and the way I know I need to, to be to actually have this look has got me out of so many situations. Yeah, I can imagine. I you can know, imagine. drinking uptown and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, well, I can imagine even yeah. if someone tried to punch you, they're yeah. more likely to get your beard. Well, probably, yeah. Like, just especially if off and stuff, my yeah. height against your height. Anyway, yeah, it's all like a reach, but... But like, if um, get, so, getting back to where we were, I mean, you've actually you've, you've just described some of it anyway in terms of the the connection, connecting with somebody, having a strong support network yeah. with you know with Emma that you, you just met at the time, but also your um, family at home as well. But what what were the other things that kind of that brought you out of it then? I mean, I'm making an assumption there. When you went back to work, or at the end of the two months, did you feel in a better place? Well. I'd, I'd, I felt in a better place to know what I thought I wanted to do, so I did. Um, I applied for every single job on the planet, mm-hmm. and that was an interesting experience. To that's quite demoralising. Well, yeah, well, I, but I think you need to be demoralised and to know that, that, that the type of jobs I was applying for were not the ones I wanted. I just thought I'd try and see what it was about. Yeah. Um, but then I did a I did a weekend course in York, and it was a taste a counselling course. Right. I okay. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. And that was it for me. So whatever job I got after that was really just to fund that. So I went back into doing what I knew, and that was working for a Canal and River Trust in, in Leeds. Mm-hmm. And I was there for 12 years, and that was they actually let me do my university degree while I was working. So I was doing four, I was doing four days in five, and I was seeing clients and studying wow. and all sorts of stuff. But even before that, I was doing my part-time stuff because I had to build up. Uh, I had to do two, two ten-week courses, and then I had to do a year certificate as well. Yeah. So I had a year off to get married in 2008, and then once I'd done that, I did my university degree in over two years, so I'd qualify by 2010. So in terms of your mental health, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the, doing, a, doing a qualification that's around mm-hmm. you know, psychology, you're yeah. obviously learning a lot there in terms of... Um, maybe what's going on in your own mind then? It's so, part of your course. So, so you that, have so, to do personal development. So that will have, so that will un, you know undoubtedly have helped. Um, 
But what were the what I'm what I'm really interested in? So people out there, men in particular, listening to this might be saying, "Well, okay, so I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed at work mm-hmm. and at home, and I'm thinking actually there's no way out here." You know, so and you've been through that, and I've been through that too, actually. So, so I'm trying to think of what were the, I'm trying to pull out of you what were the other things that you thought helped, even if it's things from that development on the course. Okay. Um. What? What? You things know. What? What? Well, if it was talking about from work, mm-hmm. um, because it happened again, that I had to break down again. It's kind of over trust, but that was other things. Um, you've got to speak to your employer because they have an obligation to support you with your mental health. Yeah. In whatever in whatever area that you work in, there's a legal obligation that they have to supply you. So speak to your supports. manager yeah, or speak whoever to you're my comfortable. Manager stuff, yeah, they may go for may go for occupational health. Yeah, yeah. And then you can get referred to do some counselling. Um, and, and I wouldn't be afraid of doing that, but also uh, because of my qualification, I was allowed um, because I had a very good relationship with my manager to actually ask what type of therapy I wanted. So if you went for occupational health, they would probably give you details of what they would recommend which could be NLP yeah. or you know stuff that's generally referred through the GP or other at the moment that's CBT that's CBT, CBT that's cognitive right, behavioral yeah. therapy seems yeah. to be the, the the thing that's dished out at yeah the of course yeah which is you know helping you sort out your thinking and this that and the other and I didn't go down that route I went and saw somebody that I'd worked with and did I did about five or six sessions to help me get through. Right. Okay. So um, I wouldn't hold back from asking for what type of therapy you'd like. Okay. And if you want to look at that, you need to look at different types of therapies. The BACP that you need to go onto their website. It's a good to talk. Yeah. Just Google it and it'll come up. Okay. So all the different types of therapy and what they're about, um, just to give you a breakdown as well. Um, it's a really good website just to. And again, that's really helpful. It's really good. It's really good to have such kind of direct go to there, and you can find something. But it and again, it comes down to that reaching out and not trying to do it on your own. You know, do I I said this to someone the other day? This is a it's a team it's a team thing trying to battle against um, mental illness. You know, it really is. You need to kind of develop your team get your support network around you but like you say i mean you know please carry on but the around work they have that obligation to yeah, they do to have obligation you. to support you yeah and <laughs> why wouldn't they, they want to keep you want to keep you there doing yeah. your job yeah. and i know that's the the, 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 hard, the harsh reality yeah there. um return it, on investment yeah, is the expression well, yeah yeah whatever it is basically <laughs> but it's investment in the person so you know, my example was I've been there for such a long time. They thought I was going to stay. Yes. If you were there six months and started to claim it, there may be different, different ways have been looked at. But then they should still give you the same support. But just mm. be, I think I'd be wary about how they would treat you. Yeah. But if you've been there for a long time and you've got a good standing relationship with your managers and yeah. you know you like the job that you do, you know, it's a matter of well, I'm really struggling here. I want to carry on doing the job, but I've got this going on. Yeah, and it's a matter of understanding from them as an employer mm. that outside of work there could be external factors. It might not even necessarily be internal. It could be just you've got problems at home in your yeah. relationships or your kids. And I th- how can they not affect what's going on in work? I think quite often. I don't know the statistics, but I would I would guess that it's quite a high figure as to where the you know the the source of the issues are you know more often than not perhaps outside of work you know that that are coming in through the door i mean there obviously are things depending on what people do for for a job but um but yeah you know you you quite often it's 
family or money worries or you know things that are kind of external so in terms of i'm really the other thing i was really keen to know i'm going to say about the personal stuff for how i yeah. deal with things and stuff yeah because i can keep quoting stuff about work and yeah tell me about the personal other. stuff uh, well i i do struggle uh, myself um i do with the depression mainly um but really unhelpful thought patterns mm-hmm. that's probably the best way to put it um and the ways I cope, like, I'll probably give you an example of, like, this weekend. So I've been back to work for the past three days, and I, it's not necessarily that I don't like my job. I'm just finding it quite monotonous, and then I've come home on Friday night, and I was really just in a really bad place, just miserable and just thinking really badly about things. Um, Emma picked up on it and just left me to it because I, I was showing signs that I just didn't want anybody to help me. Yeah. Um, got to Saturday. Saturday is my day of cleaning the house because I do have OCD tendencies as well, mm-hmm. so which is a benefit to Emma. Um, and, and, and generally keeping tidy and stuff. So I, I put those obsessive compulsive tendencies, it's all about control, isn't it? Yeah. So I try and link the two because I find that the thought patterns are around that I don't really have control what I'm doing and I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah. So I put it into doing other things. So I tried to start cleaning the house yesterday and it just wasn't happening at yeah. all. So I did as much as I could and then I just ended up watching some a series I'm watching at the moment on Netflix mm-hmm. um, just to distract me. And I just, instead of setting myself up to fail, which again is something else that I do, yeah. you know, just uh, a, a bit like what Emma was talking about on a previous podcast about, you know, you set yourself too many high targets to to achieve when really you, wanna, you don't really want to do it. Yes. You kind of really want to fail, which... If you want to look into that, you know, self-sabotage is a massive thing and that's not just male or female, that's yeah. just everybody. Um, and I do really suffer with that. Uh, I'm very well aware of it. So I, I, I left everything out to clean the house. Me and Emma just chilled out last night and just watched some movies and stuff and I just thought, right, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get up as early as I can and I'm just going to crack on straight into it. So smash my breakfast out put some rave music on and then just run around the house cleaning it. So I clean all the upstairs, clean up my wardrobe yeah. and just set myself up. So, um, See, this was one of the things that's interesting about that, Tony, is that some people might look at that and think it was, it's, you know, the, the OCD mm-hmm. part of that is like another, another negative. But what's interesting is the way you've described that is that's, it is a real, that's a positive for you. It's one of your. It's part of your. It's one of your coping yeah, mechanisms. Because, yeah, because actually, I think that's the other thing about mental health is we've we've also at some point we've also got to take responsibility. Yeah. And I know that's quite difficult to hear for some people, but ultimately, you know, you've got to find ways to deal with things. And, and I think I say that harshly for myself personally, living with it for so long. Yeah. That if I'm aware of it and I know what to do, then I've got a responsibility to do something about it. And, you know, like I'm sat, know? I'm sat here now and I know when I'm feeling, when I get to talk about stuff like this, because over the years of doing, say, therapy and stuff, I, my hands start to feel really heavy and I start to feel um, like my hands starting to get really weighed, really weighed yeah. down. So I, I have like physical symptoms that I just, I can pick up on. So that's, that's key as well. So anyone out there that's listening to this, this is, you know, male, female, whatever, any age as well, you know, know your own signals and your own signs and also your own boundaries as well because you know i I, you can go to the extreme you know say like 
trying to make it somebody else's responsibility or yeah. you know it's your fault that you make yeah. me feel like this is the other and it's not it's just um i think of the names of the guys on facebook that i watch it's gary Vantenuk, i think he's called he's an american oh vanichuk is it i think i've, yeah, I've seen called, that guy yeah. and he's very punchy and to the point yeah if i want to get a reality check i just watch his stuff and there's another guy as always i can't remember his name but it's a matter of where he just says at the end of the day everything is your fault yeah and and i know that again is a negative but it's highlighting the reality that whatever you do whatever you've done whatever you've said it's nobody else's fault but your own and yeah. again that's ownership which is again something that you have to build on because that's a hard thing to say mm. but, you know well it, it is all my fault and really as, you, as i've got older because again this is me talking personally it is my fault and i am where i am because of whatever I've done. So again, that taps I into, agree with that. You know, taps into stuff about, if you say, talking about, well, I want to change. Well, you know, you can't blame the external world. No, no. Well, it's, I think, all about your, it's all about your choices and your thought well, patterns. Taking that ownership, taking that ownership is absolutely key, I think, because, um, but it is a hard thing it's for people difficult. to hear. Yeah, it's a hard thing. And also, I think it's hard for people to... Um, accept that it's actually true i mean because you listen to it and you you know someone might listen to this and think yeah but it's not my fault that he said that or she said that or he did that or he did that but what is your fault the wrong you know probably a wrong word in this sense but what what you do have the power to do is if someone says something you have the power to um change how you receive it you know, yeah, because, so, so, yeah, like, because there was something about I can't remember who it was that I think it was a book I got bought off one of them as friends for Christmas, and it and it said something really struck chords with me. You know, when people say, "Well, you made me feel like this," well, nobody can. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly thing, my point. You know, it's the thing about you, people think that you know somebody said something horrible to me, so they made me feel bad. Well, actually, no, you're no. actually making you because nobody has any form of control yeah. over how you feel. And again, that's deeply rooted in a bad experience that they've had with the father or yeah. with one of the close friends and stuff. But it, it, it takes away the blame about yes. it's somebody else's. It's somebody else's fault. Yeah, it's I, not somebody else's fault. No, you make yourself feel like that. I'm so glad you've you've talked about it like that because that that's that's how I feel about it too. And that's like any of the kind of um, soul searching I've done around around my life has come back to that same thing. Yeah. And actually, you know. Um, positivity wise or even like you know some of the things we're saying that you can do find a support network yeah. do things you like doing even if that is cleaning the house you know so <laughs> well like, i've got to say don't get me wrong so it sure. wasn't happening on saturday but <laughs> it happened today for the for, you know with the, again what was the other thing that i mentioned it's music you know it's just yeah. music is just we can talk about yeah well, i, I had have you seen high fidelity I have seen right. there's a thing he says, loads of times. There's a thing he says in High Fidelity where he says, I can't work out, am I miserable because I listen to pop music or am I or does pop music make me miserable? Or is I it's like which well, way around? I think if you're really into music, it's probably, it's probably, <laughs> it's probably the latter, not the former. Yeah. Anyway. And it's but you've got that, you know, so essentially what I'm getting at though is there are things you can do, and this is what you're saying. Course, yeah. So if you put on some music that you know usually makes you feel a bit more uplifted, mm-hmm. you know, then you can do that. Um, for me, coming out here today to um, to do you know to record two shows with with yourself and Emma yeah. was like uh, you know I don't get paid for this. I'm just kind of I like doing this. I want to do it. 
So, and I know it, you know, I'm, it makes me busy on a, on a Sunday and I, uh, I know I'll sing all the way home now. You know, I'll, you know, like a 45 minute drive and I know I'll be on a real high that oh, I've come nice. out and a really cool conversation with really, two people. Really good. It's really nice to hear that. And then, yeah. you know, so I'll know, I'll get back to my house tonight and I'll look back and go, yeah, it was a really good weekend. I went and did that. You know, whereas if I wasn't doing this, I could just sit down and watch Vikings all day on <laughs> Amazon yeah. Prime or something. You know, like... It does, it does, I think that's, that's another thing that when I've got older, because I, I watch, watch a lot of films and I've, I haven't watched a lot of series for years and I've just started watching them again, but I have to be very careful because I can, I can now find stuff... You know the access to stuff on Netflix. Yeah, that I've gotten. the worst thing. Just, the worst thing about Netflix sit there for hours is it automatically comes onto the next episode, yeah, it does doesn't it? Which is a bloody nightmare. It. You have to find the remote control to actually and make yourself stop watching it. You know, um, it's, it's very tactful. Um, so um, there was something in particular I wanted to talk about. Okay. I know you're really into photography. Yes, I know that's part of what you do. And um, with so for you personally, you know, we've got five or six minutes left. Okay. Tell me about photography and how that's helped you and what, how you got into it, etc. Well, I got to a point where I was in my last job where it, it was, I don't know, maybe three or four years before I finished account of trust. I always use references as a timeline. It's a counterspend thing. It just helps me yeah, remember yeah. when stuff started. Um, and I I'd, I'd, I'd started to think about stuff. What, what am I going to do in my life? Hmm. Just the ultimate question. What yeah. am I going to do? What do I like doing? Because I know I can talk for England. I can chase people for money. I understand linguistics I've done counselling I can still do it and it's happening but what else do I enjoy doing and I realised it was photography so I started a, an Instagram feed probably about uh, what we on now 2019 probably about 2014 2015 okay. on my dinner breaks yeah because dinner breaks for me in Leeds in the city centre was a great opportunity to go walk around and take pictures and stuff mm-hmm. so I just got really into street photography yeah Started looking into other people that did it. There's a guy called Eric Kim, if anybody wants to look him up, who's just a street photography guru mm-hmm. uh, from America, travels around the world now and does a lot of reviews and stuff. But um, it was just A, an escapism, but B, a way of expressing about how I was feeling. Yeah. Um, and I started to realise that my photography was actually quite dark to start with. So um, taking the pictures of people, buildings, got obviously obsessions with symmetries so I was looking for shadows and all sorts of stuff and that's what I did on my dinner break and wow. when I started bringing a camera to work so my mum bought me a compact that Eric Kim's got that I had to have so yeah. I got the, she gave me the money to get this Ricoh GR3 which is a pocket camera yeah. because I started going away from doing as they coined it iPhoneography um, and just instead of taking stuff on my phone I was taking stuff with that as well yeah. to make it more to make more of a fuss about it, yeah. really, because it was still a point and shoot, but um, and it really did help. And then I was starting to go out and do street photography days with my friends, and that tapped into just you know going out to the pub afterwards, having some food, and comparing the shots we'd taken. And yeah, starting to really see what photography meant to me because when I when I've thought about it, I've actually had a camera in my hand since I was about eleven or twelve mm-hmm. when I first got my thirty-five mil camera. So it's a lot about having a hobby, but also having a way of expressing how I was feeling. Yeah, this is, it's multifaceted, isn't it? Yeah. You know, for one thing, the first thing came into my head was, 
there's an aspect of mindfulness in there in terms of focusing on something. You know, uh, if you excuse the pun, cameras. No, 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 it's not mindfulness. It's a great word when it comes to photography. But you know, you're you're going out there during a lunch break, Mm -hmm. and rather than you know mindlessly walking around and and fit, you know, and you know, you're actually going out and you're looking for even if, like you say, the the symmetry, the shadows, even if it is like, um, even if the portrayal of it when you look back at it afterwards is quite dark, and you know, and it's a reflection of your mood, it's still for that half hour, forty five minutes, whatever it is you're actually, you're engaged in something and you're engaged in something you enjoy mm. and you're passionate about. So, you know, the, the thing that, that's really cool about that is that anyone can do that. Yeah, it's very but, easy. It's, not, it's, a, it's a very easy, expressive art form. It does obviously involve certain aspects of skill when you start to get into it. Yeah. Straight off the peg, you pick up your phone, start taking pictures and stuff. But if you're not, you know, but if you're not doing it to kind of sell the artwork, if you're doing it for the kind of mm-hmm. for the fun of it, yeah. and then also the, you know, the social aspect, like you said, of then it became something you were doing with mm-hmm. other people, That's and right. then there's that social aspect. So you're developing new relationships and and friendships, and then you've got a bigger support network something as well. To, yeah, something to look at, something to look forward to on a weekend. I've done. Uh, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester, got Newcastle that's on the list. Amazing. Yeah, so I've just, I've kind of gone away from street photography, but I do come back to it. Well, I recommend anyone to follow your Instagram. What's, what's your Instagram? My Instagram, as I have to have it on my phone um, in front of me, so I remember what it's called because it's it's double barrel because it's it's actually ready for when I start to do it. It's um, AKR Photography underscore phototherapy. Yeah, because I don't actually practice at the moment. So um, doing phototherapy is what I actually want to get into at some point to help at a, you know counselling level. Yeah, um, and is that is that what you've just described? Is that people going out and getting yeah, into... and just or in in a traditional therapeutic setting, it's about uh, maybe having some pictures already pre-planned, a bit like where they get you to read a look at a pattern and said what this means to you. Mm. But uh, there's a lot of people in uh, America and Australia um, in the nineties. They don't really do much of it now, but th- there is somebody who started. I can't remember what the lady's name is, um, but they, they have pictures that the clients have taken mm. and also ones that they've got, and they use it as just a way of helping people to unlock those aspects of. You know, the character that yeah. I'm you know, struggling with or it might be something being like a death of a partner, some yes. bereavement issue or yeah. something like that and just a way of... Um, Is it like, So it's like a catalyst to kind of... Yeah, like, or just like or, a channel or just like a road, a road to, you know, what they need to talk about or express because they might not be able to, they might not be able to verbalise it. Yeah. So from, a, from an artistic or photographic point of view, yeah. you take a picture of something and that's basically what it means to you. And it's down to both of you to interpret. To then do that interpretation. Just, yeah, and quite often just... with that and through like counselling, you're quite often, you know, the I don't want to sound too guru about this, but you know, the answers are within quite often and you're oh, like of you know, you'll kind of it's about how to tease them out, isn't it? It's about how and so I love that as a medium of doing that 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 perhaps people won't have thought of before to actually try. Um unbelievable, we've we've run out of time. No. Um but I really appreciate you sharing your story. No, thanks um, for listening. If you want to come back, me to come back to talk about you know the men's work stuff that I've yeah, done, and you love know, to. I've got a list of stuff that yeah, absolutely love people to get involved in. Brilliant. Well, thanks ever so much, Tony. Um, Anyone um, wants to follow you? Well, you've already just given that out, haven't you? And is it? Do you, have you got a Twitter account? I have got a Twitter account, but let's just give the website because it got it's got everything on there. So it's all the W's and then AK hyphen r photography.co.uk fantastic 
Brilliant. Thanks ever so much for coming in. No problem Um, at all. Right. So um, thank you guys for listening. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Mental Comms and Instagram Mental Conversations. Please do rate the podcast on iTunes so we can grow this thing uh, and get more people listening. And some of these inspirational guests I've got can get get themselves out there too. So uh, thanks again, Tony. No problem at all. Thanks, Chris. Speak to you guys soon.